A very happy week three of the NFL season to you and yours. Before I get you to the latest audio here, myself, Big Tasty, and Yanni, as we break down what occurred in week two of the NFL season for about 10 to 15 minutes and then look ahead to the week three lines. A lot of line movement, a lot of options, a lot of lines that have moved in a good direction for us and other ones that were just kind of scratching our heads saying WTF. But before you listen to that, just wanted to thank everybody for subscribing to the show, for listening to the show. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed or liked or rated and reviewed and all that good stuff, if you want to take a good 30 seconds and do that, I'll just say that I'll be forever grateful. So if you're listening on, what is it, Apple, Spotify, you can listen on Anchor, Odyssey, there's other platforms. If you could do that, that'd be great. A lot of great NFL content coming out this season. We have Yanni and JJ at the Bet Crushers, obviously, a lot of articles, a lot of great content. We have the WagerAger podcast on Wednesday evenings. My goal for this season is to get this podcast out Thursday evenings. So if the Thursday night football game is not that hot, you can just tune this in and say, okay, what can I look ahead to for Sunday? Or if you just want to throw it on after the game, if it's a good game, or Friday morning, that's the name of the game. Looking to do maybe like a, not a halftime show, because there's a lot of halftime content out there, but a pregame, maybe Twitter spaces or live stream as schedules allow. I think there is a good time slot for that. But what I did want to mention also is that Big Tasty, he's coming up big right now. He has some additional content. I'm on his best bet show, but he's got, follow him for sure, at NBA Attack. He's got a best bet show, a guest each week. The bet crushers are on there. A lot of good other sharp cappers are there. So a good contingent that we have going on, a good flow. We're picking off some good lines. So extremely happy of where we're at through three weeks, two to three weeks here, and excited for the 18 to 20 plus weeks to come as we go through out the NFL season. One other thing I'll mention before getting you to the audio is that around the 50 minute mark, I kept in some comedic relief. I was having some internet issues and you can just hear my frustrations. I did edit out the parts where we're just clueless in terms of like if I have life, if I have internet or not, but my frustrations were getting the best of me and I I hate my internet. I hate all internet providers, but I love the NFL. So enjoy the podcast. Here we go. Week three. Thanks for joining us here at WagerAger. D-Nice, we've got Tasty, and we've got Yanni tonight. Tasty coming off of, actually, I started my day with you, Tasty, talking football, and now I get to end my day talking football. It's it's a beautiful thing. What a bookend. I know, great. football, coffee and football, and then whatever we're doing now in football. <laughs> football, coffee, a shitty fucking 10 hours of work, and then football, no coffee right now, water. Yanni, what's going on? Did you have a nice 10 hours or did you just do a, a whole day of football research? I, uh, I fortunately today I worked in quite a bit of football, so I'm feeling pretty good about this weekend. We'll see. Could be the kiss of death. I think we should be good to go. It's been a solid first two weeks of the season. I think we've had plenty of profits, some up spots, some down spots, some shocks. I think what we'll do is we'll talk high level about the league. We'll get into a select. I'm trying to keep it, trying to have some structure, trying to keep it to four games and just high level. If you are curious what you want to listen to, we're going to cover Ravens, Pats, Niners, Broncos, Lions, Vikings, Packers, Bucks, quote unquote, in depth. 
we'll get into other lines. I'm sure there'll be teaser angles and there'll be other things. And maybe we'll mix in a futures section. I, I personally have not added any futures this week, but we can close the week. And that could be a new segment of the podcast here. Close the week down by looking at, you know, far look ahead lines, which Yanni was talking about last week. And I think we'll talk about that game again, as well as futures market. How does that sound, fellas? Sounds fantastic. Sounds beautiful. Sounds beautiful. Tasty. Oh, yeah. Tasty, let's start with you. I know we talked this morning on your podcast. If you're not following Tasty, I'm sure you guys are, but follow him at NBA Attack. He's got his best bets show. He just posted that as we're recording Wednesday evening, as well as the look ahead show that we do on Sunday evenings. I drove through traffic and I hurried to get to that one barely in time. But Tasty, high level week two takeaways doesn't need to be about the Eagles and the Vikes. I don't want to rub that in anymore, but things that like, you know, two top things that stuck out. It could be a team that's really messing up right now or, or, Oh shit, we got to take this team seriously. Um, yeah, good question. I mean, I think actually one of the takeaways that I do have is the Vikings and the Eagles and it's, it's not rubbing it in for me. You know, I told you uh, that I, I bet the Eagles, so that helps with the emotional hedges they say, but yep. I, I just, I, it just continues to blow me away how massive it is to have a quarterback that has that threat of running. Not like we haven't known that. It's not a, a new thing. But watching Jalen Hurts just run all over the Vikings, which created a lot of wide-open pa- – well, also the Vikings' uh, nonstop zone defense created a lot of wide-open passes as well. But it just puts a lot of pressure on a defense to have a guy like Jalen Hurts. I mean, we see the same thing with – Yanni's bills with Josh Allen, uh, right. Where having that threat, um, is a massive weapon. And I think that it is a challenge for the teams that don't have it, you know, um, those kind of, those, those teams just always are, are in it and, uh, and have, and have a big threat on offense that other teams don't. So, yeah, you really can never count those teams out. I mean, Allen with the bills hurts Lamar, obviously we'll talk in depth about him, but it's just, if you have a quarterback that can scramble out of trouble, the play is never dead. We've seen it with Russ. We'll probably see it again unless he's washed, right? Um, might be but washed. very good point. So that is a great takeaway. I'll hold your second thought. Yanni, high-level takeaways from week two. We talked about week one, about how there's like a tier of, of top teams, and it might be a tier of, of Chiefs and Bills, and that's it. Takeaways week two, high-level, can be anything. Yeah, a lot of really, I mean, we could spend forever talking about this, so I'll try to keep it brief here. Um, I think you got to look and start saying which teams are disappointing or maybe in trouble early. Um, Obviously, the Colts come to mind. The Bengals have to be a little bit of a head scratcher. They really kind of laid an egg in Dallas. That offensive line hasn't looked good. Um, So, you know, I think we're kind of seeing some of those teams that were, and, and we've talked about it a bunch on your pod polarized right there were a lot of people that thought hey this Bengals team can be really good again there were a lot of people that thought hey they're going to regress uh and you know after two weeks it's like wow maybe there is a super goal super bowl regression there so i think for me high level takeaways is looking and saying who did we think might be a factor in the season but at the end of the day maybe they're not the other thing that i'll just bring on is what you talked about here and it is your eagles and, and and your guys vikings there I still believe that the Eagles and Vikings are two of the top three teams in the NFC. Um, And I understand the Eagles, you know, put a hurting on the Vikings there, 
but I still think this Minnesota team is going to be a top three at worst top four team in the NFC there when it's all said and done. The matchup wasn't good. And the one thing that concerns me about the Vikings, which wasn't a big concern for me going into the season, though, is their offensive line is not really seemed to be playing that well. And it's not even the fact that Cousins was under a lot of pressure. I mean, they, you know, it's it's more the fact that they can't really get the running game going. That to me is a little bit of a concern because I think Cousins, obviously, when they're running the ball well, he can get the job done. But you see on on that game the other night, they couldn't really run the ball. As a result, they're teeing off on him and, and he's making mistakes. He looks uncomfortable. So I think, you know, high level, I don't want to dismantle the Vikings yet. I think they're still very much going to be alive in the NFC. But I think, again, offensive line play, we're seeing teams like the Bengals, the Colts that are not playing up to par offensively on the offensive line. Same thing with the Vikings, and you see what happens there. So just a couple random takeaways from, from week two that I had there. Very insightful. We'll talk about the Vikes some more. They are going to be a favorite at home, back at home. Uh, Tasty, it's only week two, or it was only week two, so I wouldn't take too much away. I agree with Yanni. I expect this team to be a playoff team. Say what you will about Kirk Cousins in prime time. We'll save that for a little bit later. But question for you real quick, Tasty. Biggest underachiever, if you had an over ticket for their over win total, biggest Underachiever to what you're saying, oh crap, right now, Bengals, Titans, Colts, pick one. <laughs> oh man, um, that's a tough call. I think I would take the Bengals out. I feel the most hopeful for the Bengals still. I think their offensive line has a chance to still work through their issues and get it together. Um, I think I'd have to say the Titans, and the Titans were a team that we were not high on uh, preseason, right? So I think uh, I know I have their team total under, but if I had it over, Same. I just, I mean, Malik Willis could maybe add some fun into that point of having a mobile quarterback uh, who can maybe do some things on offense and get some variety. But as a rookie, I don't see him coming in and being the savior. So I, I'm not excited about the Colts necessarily, but I think I'd be most worried if I had liked the Titans going into the season. For sure. And I think that the three of us were down on the Titans. We have some underexposure on the Titans. What was it, Yanni? Eight and a half, nine and a half? Eight and a half. Something too big, and I don't see them achieving that. And then it's, yeah, to, to me, I think that the Bengals do get it right. This is going to be a spot, and we're not going to talk about them too much here this week. But I have a feeling win, lose, or draw this weekend that we'll be talking about Cincy because this is – if you go to 0-3, like it's not a must win, but this is as early in the year, especially if you're coming off a Super Bowl. I mean, they've technically lost three games in a row now, and the defense doesn't look good at times. The offensive line not coming together. And then to me, I think that the Colts are the team that you say, okay, maybe they have the easiest path because their division is pretty weak and we're down on the Titans. Jags beware, right? But the Colts getting shut out and – yeah, you can say that Pittman's out, but if you can't do anything because one guy's out and you can't gel in terms of the offensive line, and if Matt Ryan just looks like crap, I'm sure that Yanni can break it down a lot better. But that is where I'm saying, wow. They're technically not 0-2, but to me and to Colts fans, 0-1-1 probably feels like 0-2 because that was a brutal first uh, tie. It's not a loss, but first tie. So 0-1-1. One so, without further ado, should we try a WTF segment? 
this is not rehearsed. And I said that let's try a segment where we were just, you know, looking back at last week, things that just kind of made us say, what the fuck, right? If you have a kid <laughs> who's listening to this, maybe I can edit this out, but they'll learn these words eventually. Sorry. So tasty. Do you have a WTF moment? Oh, that man. just comes to mind. Yeah, it's the first uh, time rolling through this, so it doesn't. I know. I'm like, perfect. what's what's one that? It's probably uh, a segment that should have like some video and some music to it. Yeah. Or my cat in the background, just kind of you know, just making noise. Honestly, honestly what comes to mind, and this might not fit with your uh, <laughs> with your theme, is <laughs> uh, what the what the fuck for the Raiders with Kyler Murray? Like, do you yeah. just control that game, and then you let a guy? just run around with like with his head cut off and then, you know, throw the ball, get in for the two point conversion, 22 seconds long. What a ridiculous fall apart by that team. I mean, a team that's supposed to be decent against a team that I still think is not very good. Uh, that was, that was terrible. It's probably a team that I could have included in the underachievers because they actually are Oh, and two and the Colts are technically not Oh, two and two. But that was definitely like Kyler with the 20, I think it was 20 to 22 seconds. He was scrambling around. I heard that he ran a total of 84 yards on that play. Oh my God. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. But guys, I did have the over in that game. So that, that led it. And I think that Yanni did too, right? Me so too. me too. had the over. Yeah. I didn't love the over spot because I heard some, you know, sharp minds talking about the under. And then I started to think more and more and I saw and I heard, more and more about this sluggish pace of play. And that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on that. I don't want to take the overs and Raiders games, but that was definitely a WTF. Yanni, do you have anything that comes to mind or should we just get on to week three? <laughs> no, I actually can give you my WTF. Please, please do. Please do. <laughs> my, mine came to mind real quickly. And it, it's a combination of the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC North there. I, you know, you have big leads and you allow guys like Tyree Kill and in, in the Jets case, Corey Davis there to get wide open in your secondary when all you're trying to do is hang on to a lead. I don't understand that. I mean, I, you know, it, neither of those teams obviously should have lost that game. I, I don't have the, you know, ESPN does that probability win percentage. I have to imagine for the Browns with a minute and 48 seconds left, it was 99.9%, you know, whatever it was. And same thing with the Ravens up by three touchdowns. It had to be 98% win percentage. I, I just don't understand how that happens. I don't know. I, I don't know. So that's my WTF moment that I would love to ask and say, the fuck happened? How, how does that happen? It's very frustrating, especially as a person. And I think you had it also Browns, Bengals, T's. I guess ripped the Band-Aid off early because the Bengals didn't take care of business either. Right. But the Browns, Nick Chubb, they he could have just gone down. Special player. But I was actually listening to that on the beach, and then I ran out of battery. I had my wife pull up the score. I was like, have the Browns won yet? And she said no. <laughs> and then we lost service because at the beach, sometimes you lose service. It was like, okay, time to walk back. Had a five-minute walk back. All of a sudden, I walk in the house and the Jets are kicking an extra point to go up 31-30. I'm just like, what What the fuck happened? <laughs> it's like, what, what possibly happened? And then I was just not, not panicked, but just like in this mood of like, okay, rip the Band-Aid off. Hopefully that's the bad beat of the weekend. And I think it was. And honestly, I'm glad it happened right then and there because I just would have been frustrated with the Bengals not getting it done and then losing to Dallas. So 
Okay, good uh, high-level recap of what was in week two. Let's head on to week three, fellas. Let's do it. Week three. Let's start out with a team that did blow it, the Ravens and Patriots. This is marquee matchup, I'd say. Is this in the 1 o'clock time slot, guys? This is in the 1 o'clock time slot? Two one-and-one teams. The winner of this game gets to two-and-one. I think that these teams are on two different levels, but we'll see. What I think is really intriguing about this line is that Yanni first pointed out on this show, and probably even prior to then, Ravens minus three. Take it, take it, take it. We liked it all weekend. We talked on Sunday evening. Ravens minus three. We talked about it on Monday. I found the best line possible at points bet at minus 110. Ravens minus three. Today, news comes out, Lamar, is it an elbow injury? And all of a sudden, speaking of WTF, I texted you guys and said, what the hell's going on with this down to two and a half right now down to two and a half Ravens coming off of what looked to be, what looked to be a blowout win was a loss of epic proportions in a 42 to 38 final. You have the Patriots coming off of another ho-hum victory. Tasty credit to you for calling the under in that game Steelers and Pats. These two teams are almost unwatchable at times because it's just like, oh, do I really have to watch this? And you have them matching up in Foxborough, two and a half points over under at 43 and a half. I know that all of us, or at least the two of us, Tasty, I don't know if you've hit it also, are on the Ravens at minus three. Now, all of a sudden, do we need to question what we have going on now that it's down to two and a half? Yanni, what say you about this matchup? Still confident or a little bit like, oh boy, what's up with Lamar? Very confident still. And look, I'm perplexed more than anything because I don't understand this line movement here at all, which is fine. Um, But at the end of the day, I could probably, uh, Tasty could probably take the recorded segment and replay it back here for me because I just look at it this way. You mentioned it. These are two different levels of teams. You have an overvalued Patriots team. You have what I think now is a little bit of an undervalued Ravens team because their record shows one and one when realistically, uh, you know, without a couple botched covers, they'd be two and oh there. At the end of the day, one of these teams is going to be two and one. One of these teams is going to be one and two. Who do you like as a two and one team in this matchup? I know for me, I'll take Baltimore to Baltimore all day long. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go back to even when Brady was there, this Baltimore team put it on New England. Um, they could not stop Lamar Jackson. They, you know, it, it was just, it was ugly. And I don't see why that would change here. There's one thing with Baltimore for me that's a little bit concerning as we go into the season, and that is they seem to have a little bit of trouble ru- rushing the passer at this point early in the year. That could hurt them. I think we saw it hurt them a little bit against the Dolphins, obviously. Um, with that being said, I mentioned on, on Tasty's uh, clip there that when you're when you're up against Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, a little bit different than being up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. So I think that Baltimore, they're not going to – I'd like to think that John Harbaugh is going to get that straightened out. They're not going to have those mental gaps that they had there against the Dolphins. 
I just think Baltimore is going to be able to score points against what's been a pretty good New England defense, but I think Baltimore is going to be able to score. I don't think New England's defense is good enough to keep pace with them as long as you're at that key number of three or under. Now, if you can get it two and a half, maybe you sprinkle some of that on there. But I like Baltimore in this game. I realize it's a square play. You're taking a favorite on the road. Um, I want to say after the first two weeks, home dogs are nine and two against the spread. But obviously, two of those teams were road favorites that won. So it can happen and it actually should eventually even out. I'm all in on Baltimore here. I think they get it done. And to be honest with you, I think they get it done fairly easily. I'm with you. And I'm not going to say take an alt spread because I think this is a case, especially because it's already ticked down and because we have some injury news, everything like that. The Ravens secondary just kind of got caught with their pants down. I don't know if they just got overly aggressive at times or They've had some injuries already again, right? So it's like, is it guys out there just putting them in tough spots? And the Dolphins have some skill guys that are just speedsters and tasty. They're they're like impossible to catch. The Patriots, to Yanni's point, they don't have that. You're not going to get that with Nelson Aguilar. You're not going to get that with Mac Jones. Like he's a pocket passer. So a different type of team. I'm not going to buy more at two and a half. I'm plenty with the heavy amount that I have on three. Tasty, do you have anything on this? Do you have anything on the overrunner? Because I haven't touched that at all. I'm just staying with the Ravens, and I think it's a bargain spot. Yeah, I have no, I haven't done anything with the overrunner. Um, I think even if Hundley plays, we talked about this preseason too. I think he's a competent backup, and I'm not saying Lamar's not gonna play, yeah, right, but just he's he he's a similar kind of quarterback. Um, in that he is mobile and he, I don't think they have to totally change the offense for him. And so I still like that. The thing that probably can, and, and by the way, I, yeah, I am on minus three. I got it a plus 100 uh, back when awesome. I was in the airport and Yanni was, you know, giving us the heads up early on um, with Love my that. laptop out in line before I scan my boarding pass. So um, priorities but, uh, and the priorities are betting. Okay. I don't have bet online on my phone. So, um, <laughs> so no, and I, I do still feel good about it. I think the, the thing that does concern me a little bit is that Baltimore defense. And I know that they held up okay um, until the fourth quarter against Miami and new England is no Miami. Absolutely. But I wonder how, the, how well they're going to be able to guard the middle of the field. Uh, if And Jacoby Myers, I think could have a decent day going across the middle. The thing that makes me feel better though, is let's say Jacoby Myers does have a good day. <laughs> and then what, right? Like new England just doesn't have a lot of weapons where I think that Baltimore um, certainly has a lot more. And I think their defense is certainly good enough still to hold up against a team like New Orleans that is offensively challenged. I agree with you. Patriots, middle of the road. If you look at most of defensive metrics, Baltimore Ravens, pass rush, actually grades out a little bit higher than I would have guessed, according to PFF, but you can't always trust that, right? Sometimes you just got to use the damn eye test. And I think that the eye test tells me that these are two teams on different levels. Let's see what happens with the injuries. But you brought up a good point, Tasty. Say that Hundley had to go. And I don't expect that to happen. Guys, how much do you think that spread would move? Like, say that we had him back there. Does this become a Patriots minus two and a half instead of Ravens? Or is this just like a pick? Yeah, I, I, if you're asking me, I think it's probably close to a pick if that happens. Um, I mean, money would come in on New England. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It probably would move to a pick, but I don't, 
I, I don't know. I, even with Huntley in there, I think he's proven enough as a backup that I don't see that line moving too much off of where it is, probably a couple points. Yeah, likely not going to happen. Probably a 99% chance that we see Lamar back there, and it's Huntley, not Hundley, as I said. But I think it's always fun to just play that game and say, hey, if this were to happen, what do you think would happen to the spread? And if for some reason it happens, let's see. But I don't see a case where I think the Patriots should be favored in this spot. And But I do think that Lamar plays. So I'll stop rambling, and we'll move on to the next game. Does that sound good, guys? Next game. Let's do Lions and Vikings. Let's do Lions and Vikings. Vikings, I think we talked enough about this at the top and on Tasty's podcast as well. And again, if you haven't followed Tasty and follow the podcast, hit him up and listen to that. Um, but the Lions and Vikings here, this started out, I think we saw some sevens and sevens and a half um, before the Vikings went down big. This is down to five and a half at FanDuel right now at Minnesota. Lions coming off of a decent win, right? They went up 22 nothing. had a little bit of hiccups late. That's kind of what we expect from the Lions, but they got it done against Carson Wentz. There was a lot of steam guys on the commanders last week. I heard a lot of commanders team total over a lot of the commanders should not be dogs. Well, they were dogs and they lost the damn game because the Lions don't look that bad. Swift, he played through the injury, looked damn good. It looks like he's a leader in that team in the locker room. Lions, I think, are are a team that not that squares were on them and not that it was all public, but now all of a sudden this move is saying, okay, money is meaningful to move it from seven and a half to five and a half. At five and a half now, Tasty, you doing anything here? Vikings kind of in the teaser zone now. If you can get a six, you, you could argue. I know it's not your classic teaser, but you could could tease it down. The Vikings are due for a bounce back spot. I've seen their team totals going up too from like 28 and a half. I heard that it was 30 and a half at some book. So how are you seeing this one here? Yeah, I think Minnesota playing at home, I do like. I think this definitely could be an interesting game. The Lions have looked good, especially on offense. And I think Minnesota's defense overall, I have some hope for with their youth. But man, Patrick Peterson looked terrible uh, against Philadelphia. I mean, not just that catches were made, but he was getting turned around and just looked like he didn't even know where he was. So I do think I'm on Ross St. Brown. I don't see any reason why he can't go out and have a really good game against the Vikings in this spot. Um, I think DeAndre Swift, as long as he's healthy and good to go, also, again, a really good weapon. But I do think the Vikings at home against the Lions defense, that is not uh, been fantastic should be able to keep cousins pretty clean and we've talked about this before not in prime time at home kept clean I think cousins can do some damage with those offensive weapons so I played um I should have waited a little bit longer on the spread I played over 50 and a half Ooh. earlier on so that was good I actually have been considering though I probably won't do it at this point because I got the 50 and a half but I think both these teams could end up in the 30s um, or at least the mid to high 20s. So I don't think even where it's at now at 53 and a half that it's bad. Um, both teams can be explosive. And I did take Minnesota minus six. Obviously, I wish I'd waited a little bit longer. Um, minus 105, though. So, I mean, I feel OK about that. I really think that overall Minnesota is a better team. And especially with them playing at home, I feel pretty good about this spot for them. You're certainly not going to catch me taking the Lions at plus five and a half. I don't think that the Lions are a bad team, but now that the line is down to there, like I, I'm just not going to take it. You could have convinced me at seven and a half, but 
also that was before we saw what happened in prime time on Monday night. So I'm not going to do that here. I agree with you. There's going to be points in this game. There's not a lot of player props out right now, but if you look at the TD score prop, we've got Dalvin Cook at minus 190, Yanni. We've got Justin Jefferson at minus 180, a slew of players at just minus. So I'm not going to get caught laying too much juice there. The over-under has ticked up all the way to 53 and a half. Yanni, what are you doing with this? You know, I'm, I think I'm definitely on the same page with Tasty here. I, I like the Vikings in this game under a touchdown. And, you know, when they were getting smacked around on Monday night, the first thought that came into my head is if this spread is less than a touchdown, I got to jump on it because um, I think there will be a correction here. I do think even though it's not your typical analytic number teaser, I think if you got a minus six, you could definitely tease them down to a pick. I don't see them losing this game. I think they cover as well, um, but I definitely don't see them losing. And and really for what Tasty said here, I think that, you know, this is kind of classic. Detroit Lions are a growing building team, learning how to win, playing some good football. When they go on the road, that's where those teams kind of struggle. And I think that them going into a hostile environment, it's going to be a little bit of a smack in the face. I also... I think that one thing that helps the Vikings here is their pass rush. Obviously, they couldn't get to Hertz because Hertz is mobile and he was running around, you know, making plays. You're not going to get that with Jared Goff. So if those guys can bring a pass rush with which I think they can, I think it's going to be a little bit different situation there. There could be some turnovers. I think Justin Jefferson has an enormous game in this one. I think, you know, this is one of those where he's got 150 and two touchdown type thing. Um, I, I don't see anyone in that line secondary being able to contain him. And I think this might be the game where Dalvin Cook kind of gets going. So I like the Vikings right now. I'm seeing 29 and a half for their team total. Um, I, I'll be honest. I will be shocked if Minnesota doesn't hit 30 points in this game. I think that Lions defense is still pretty bad. Um, and, and I just I think they definitely get over 30. So I think you could play the over 29 and a half. I think you could lay minus six or five and a half with the Vikings, or I think you could tease the Vikings here. This is just not a good spot for the Lions. And again, I I do like the Lions this year. I think especially at home, they're going to give some teams some problems, but I don't think this is a good matchup for the Lions based on where they're deficient. And like I said, going on the road with, with kind of that team learning how to win, this is just not a good spot for them. I think this is definitely a bounce back for Minnesota. I think they handle it pretty, pretty well here. Well said. Don't think we have a spot where the Lions are two and one and the Vikings are one and two, similar to the Ravens and the Pats. The Lions, I'm shocked to see, well, not shocked to see, but they are third down conversion percentage on the year, 48%, good for eighth overall in the league. Minnesota, 32%, good for 25th overall in the league. Mm. It's only two weeks. We know that the Vikes, you know, converted a decent amount. I think it was uh, 40-something percent in week one. Week two, obviously, just entirely got away from them. So bad spot for the Lions in this case. And there's a lot of options there. I am going to take an over 29 and a half for a team total. As we're talking about it more and more, I'm, I'm interested to see when they'll hang player props also. Probably a good thing to just talk about high level. Yanni, I think last year, like as we did these recordings Wednesday night, player props would come out. There's nothing really on DraftKings right now. So have you guys collectively like seen like when player props are starting to drop? Because it seems a little bit even more delayed this year. 
I think it is delayed compared to last year. The one thing I will notice is there seems to be more as if the whatever 200 options a year ago weren't enough. They <laughs> it, seem to be it's overwhelming. More. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, they seem to be coming out a little bit later compared to a year ago. So I, I don't know on that. I, I will say in, in full transparency, my props have not started out well this year, but I would say that Jefferson's yardage total to me in this game. I mean, that's a hammer. I mean, I, I again, the, the Lions don't have anybody on the back end that's going to be able to match up with him. If Cousins has any time at all, uh, he's he's going to be, I mean, he's going to light it up, I think. Yeah, it's kind of, it, yeah, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing on that with Jefferson's total too. It, it wasn't necessarily every play, but in that Philadelphia game, they showed some replays too where Justin Jefferson got open and Cousins just didn't find him. And some of that was not having the time, but I do, Unfortunately, I do think there's something there about these these big games and big moments where he just freezes up. I don't think he'll do that here. So I'm with you, Yanni. I think he finds Justin Jefferson in those open spots. It's a Sunday day game and you're not going to have cousins. I mean, speaking of like a WTF sort of uh, happening and occurrence, but I know that cousins look bad. He was just like lobbing shit up. But he had that one play. He dropped back. He just fired it at like 150 miles an hour. It's like, what are you even doing? Like, you knew that wasn't going to be completed. Like, <laughs> wasn't even that close to the receiver. And even if it was, the receiver wasn't turned around looking for the ball yet. Like, he, he was just out of source, just launching. I don't think we get that here. And hopefully if he does that, it works out for them. But, yeah, um, I think that Jefferson's player prop line for total receiving yards, it's kind of in that cup territory where – you know, if it's a plus matchup and this is, if it's anything 99 and a half or lower, you just hit it, man. And even if it's 104 and a half and I'm, I'm probably not going to bet it, but you, you think that he's going to go over, you've seen it before, you know, he's going to go over. So very good, very nice NFC North matchup there. Any other thoughts there? Shall we move on? Good. Let's move on. Tasty, let's talk Packers Bucks. Let's talk Packers Bucks. I haven't been into this and I'm not, you know, scared of this line, but I'm just you've got two teams that are supposed to be juggernauts. Bucks currently favored to win the NFC. Packers were, I think, second favorite. Eagles have hopped over them. That's something that we can discuss at the end of the show, but Speaking of line movement, we've seen a lot of line movement. This line started at Packers as a three-point dog. I think I'm looking down, and I saw one and a half before the show, but I think that there's some ones out there. Bucks fared by one. They don't have Mike Evans. They don't have a lot. Is um, is Godwin playing? I saw that they Godwin's signed Cole Beasley. supposed to be out. Yep, Jones probably out, though I think it's not determined yet probably going to need to go to Yanni to see what kind of depth chart situation that we're working with here, because we're going to go down the depth chart, but that's why this is moving in the over under guys. I think I saw 48 on Sunday evening. It ticked down to 45 on Monday evening. I thought about it, slept on it, went down to 41. Now it's up to 42, but this has gotten smoked down tasty. I don't have a dime on this game right now. Have you done anything with it and just high level thoughts? Cause this is a marquee matchup and a, a pivotal game that could mean something for home field advantage technically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the bucks almost playing with one arm 
tied behind their back and that arm is all their wide receivers. <laughs> so uh, I do think Leonard Fournette's looked good to start off this season and the Packers defense, maybe not as stout as people thought it would be at least so far. That doesn't, doesn't mean it won't be. Uh, I am, I haven't bet the Packers here on the money line. I'm thinking about it. The problem is I feel like Tom Brady has this ability when he doesn't have the star receivers to take what he's got and dink and dunk his way down the field and be able to still be effective. Like, I don't think he, yes, he makes use of those great receivers, but I don't think he has to have them to be effective. And on the Packers side, obviously they've got young receivers still trying to work in the, you know, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon thing, which they've both been playing well. Um, I, I, so I bet the over that was one of my picks today was the over 42. I actually took it at over okay. 41, but, but I still will, would take it at over 42. Of course I could see this game going under. It's one of those where logically you're like, Oh, there's a lot of weapons out. The Packers are down offensively. Some, this is probably an under, but coming down from 48 and a half, I just don't think losing those receivers is that much of a death blow to the Buccaneers offense that it that it should be a six and a half point difference. So I don't think that this is going to be a massively high scoring game, but I kind of like it to be in that 24 to 20 kind of range, Um, you know, maybe even 23, 27, something like that. So, um, yeah, so I took the over and, and I think it'll end up being close, but I am considering the Packers. Interesting. There's been a ton of line movement, uh, two quarterbacks that can get shit done. Right. I mean, at 41, I think that the, that is a great buy low spot there. I'm not going to take the under at 41. It's currently sitting at 42. Do we see that get pushed up a little bit higher? Time will tell Tampa Bay last week. Yanni didn't necessarily move the ball that well. Brady 18 of 34, 190 yards, but they did it when it mattered. They got to a 20 spot. It was 3-3 late. They got to 20 points late. And to my point, I mean, you have two quarterbacks that no matter what the score is late, if it's less than seven minutes left in the fourth, I'm like, there's still time for at least two touchdowns here. Like, you know that they can get it done. It's time to go to you to tell us, you know, who are the Bucks going to go to on this depth chart? Cole Beasley, I saw him drop a punt on his first uh, punt return in practice today. Hopefully that's not a sign of things to come. But what are we getting here? Is this going to be a Perriman game? Is this going to be a gauge game? Cameron Brait, should we look at some overs there? Or are you thinking, I'm staying away from this and I'm looking at the Packers? So first things first. I really believe when this season wraps here, this Cole Beasley signing could end up being huge. Um, I, and I, you know, I've, I've watched the guy a lot last year. I think he's still got plenty in the tank. And I mean, he is the Wes Welker, Julian Edelman for Brady. I mean, he can run those five yard, six yard intermediate routes and and get separation and Brady will do a three-step drop and hit him in stride. He could be a guy that, you know, ends up playing a lot as the season goes on and catches six or seven balls a game. Now, that being said, if they have all their weapons, maybe he doesn't even see the field. Maybe he's released. Who knows? But I think for them, that was a brilliant signing as they move forward and figure out what they have. Um, As far as this game goes, I, I, again, I'm kind of with Tasty in the sense that if I'm looking at the total at this point, I think you have to go over. I, I don't think you can go under with that movement. Obviously, when it was at 48, I think you lean under, but with such a drop, you almost have to go over if you're going to bet it. That being said, I have not bet it either. Um, I think, you know, I would also look at Packers on the money line if I were going to bet this. My biggest hesitation in this game, I've got two reasons why I'm not going to bet it though. Number one is, 
if you remember, Green Bay went down to Tampa and got kind of curb stomped the last Shellacked. time. There. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't love the matchup for Rogers going on, on the road out there. It's, it's not really his scene. Um, and the other part of it is Tampa is generally known for being able to stop the run. Now that Green Bay offense is predicated on running the football. If they can shut those running backs down, what ends up happening? So I, I think that is what kind of scares me off of betting this game. You know, it'll be interesting to see both of these quarterbacks. If anybody can make something out of nothing, it's these two guys. I, I think, again, whether it's Brashad Perryman, Scotty Miller, whoever, I, I don't even know who, who's out there for the Bucks on the depth <laughs> chart there, whatever. Seriously. Um, you know, Russell Gage, like you said, Cameron Brait. None of those guys have stepped up yet, but I think that what Brady will do is he'll lean into Fournette as much as he can there. Um, you know, he'll find kind of his comfort spot there. And the question is, will Rodgers, if they can't run the ball, be able to get it to his guys? He looked obviously a lot more comfortable, even just having a guy like Alan Lazard back, just somebody he has a little bit of connect connection and chemistry with. Um, but, you know, the last thing I, I think that I would say with this game is Brady, we know he's the ultimate competitor who's generally regarded by the public is the second best quarterback in, in really probably history of the game. Usually not by everybody. It's usually Aaron Rodgers, right? So Brady, I mean, and you know, when they played last time and the time before that Brady's beaten them. And I don't know if you remember, but it was like the storyline was oh the, the two greatest of all time. And Brady kind of beat the crap out of him. So I feel like in his mind, that's his competitiveness where it comes in, where he's like, here's another chance for me to, you know, put, put, uh, put some dirt on Aaron Rodgers and, and put that out. So that to me counts for something as well. All those reasons are why I have to stay away on this game. Even though if I had to bet it, I would take the Packers money line because at least on paper, this is a coin flip game. So I would take the, uh, I would take the, the extra points there for sure. That is where I'm at. There's a lot to unpack here. And I think that in a game like this, there's so much attention paid to it. There's not really an edge. If I needed to do something, I would just take the side that had slight plus money and take it. But the best line's gone, obviously. So I'm just going to watch and be extremely entertained. I you know, think that Brady will figure out who to get the ball to. I, I could see Cameron Braid having nine targets. And if you told me that Cameron Braid had eight for 74 and two touchdowns, I wouldn't be shocked because it's Tom Brady and he'll figure it out. I don't know what role Cole Beasley will have in this game. I wish they would have signed Cole before. And apparently they have been talking for a while, but that I think right now is September 21st by November 21st to Yanni's point. We'll say, that's a big signing. And then in the playoffs, we'll say, dude, that that was a huge signing, especially once you get Evans back, as long as he's done, you know, fucking punching people in the face. And if you get you get Chris Godwin back, that, that'll be huge. But that Cole Beasley signing, he's kind of that not emergency valve, but he's the Amendola, right? And that's that's huge. I'm just going to be extremely entertained here. Plus money on the Packers. Interesting. Rodgers, the revenge factor. They got shellacked last time, perhaps. But very interesting game. Tampa with a win would be 3-0. and And a lot of people took a look at that schedule and said, that is a rough opening four weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if they were 2-2 two and two or 1-3. and three. Well, guess what? If they pull this one out and that defense, which we probably should talk about more, and we have a whole season to talk about, is awesome. Might be the best defense in the league. Might be the best D that we've seen since the Pats three years ago. And I think the Pats are kind of overrated because they had some soft opponents in their early part of 2019. But 
awesome defense. We'll see what the Packers can do. Can they run the ball against that? Can Rodgers continue to gel with walk-ins? I mean, speaking of, you know, not having all of his weapons, they don't have a lot to work with either. Like you got Randall Cobb tasty and you got Watkins working in and we'll see. So I'm done rambling there. Don't take anything if you don't want to, except uh, going to be a very, very good game. So last game that we'll talk about, Niners-Broncos. I think all of us might have some action on this. I think this is also a very, very interesting game. I mean, you have a Broncos team. <laughs> uh, don't know what's going on with Hackett. I think learning curve, Tasty, we talked on your podcast about 12 hours ago um, as I started my day that first two weeks on the job sometimes, it's a little bit much. It's just, you know, you don't know what plays you're calling. You don't know if you're the one that has to make those decisions. And sometimes you just decide to kick a 64-yard field goal. And, you know, it doesn't always work out. You have a situation here where the over-under, before we started podcasting, was 45. I took the under in this game. Niners were favored by one and a half. I think I heard you guys say earlier that there might be a Niners minus one out there. This line has kind of floated around. Jimmy G back in action. Trey Lance will have the offseason to discuss that situation. But he's now another year away from being a year away, right? So the Trey Lance thing is going to take some time to come to fruition if it ever does. Jimmy G and his handsome self is back under center, back in the limelight, back in the elevation here in Denver. Yanni, have you done anything with this? Over under 45, Niners favored by one and a half right now. What do you got? Well, first of all, I like your under bet of under 45. I have not bet it, uh, you know, kind of waiting to see. That's certainly an angle that you can look at. But I am definitely, just like I said with the Ravens, I'm square bet all the way here. I am going to lay the points with the Niners here. And keep in mind, I mean, you can talk about closing line value. San Francisco was, you know, open plus two and a half before the injury news to Trey Lance. But we're still under that key number of three at minus one, minus one and a half. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, At the end of the day, it kind of is a similar recap to Baltimore and New England. I think that right now, San Francisco is a better team than Denver is. Now, I do think Denver can improve. They're one of those teams that I think has a, a runway where they can get better. But I don't think they're there yet. You mentioned the growing pains on the coaching staff. They're still kind of working in Russell Wilson. And how does that all, all that look? But really, to me, this is all about two things here. Number one, matchup. This 49ers defense, in my opinion, might be the best defense in the league. Certainly, in my opinion, top three or four. And I think they're going to be able to slow down that running game of Denver. And and I, if they do that, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Wilson. And I don't necessarily know that he's there yet with those receivers to overcome that. So I think, again, kind of low scoring to your point. I think that San Francisco D can kind of put the clamps on them a little bit. Um, And really, to me, though, what this comes down to is Jimmy G. And, you know, we talked about it even before Trey Lance went down, that this team's probably better with Jimmy Garoppolo today. Now, again, obviously they felt Lance was the future. He had a, a, you know, a much higher ceiling that he could give them more than Jimmy G. And they might be right. Who knows? Time will tell if he can recover from injury and ever, you know, fulfill that. 
But what we do know is they seem a lot more confident offensively with Jimmy G out there. He can read a defense. He can get the ball to his playmakers. Oh, by the way, George Kittle is supposedly going to return this week, which will give them another weapon there. So I think when you, you know, to me, when I look at this here, um, I, I really like San Francisco in this spot. I think that they can come away with a win here again under that key number of three. I'm all in on that. And I'll probably, like you said, take a look at that under as well, you know, before it's all said and done. Very good. I did take the under. I just said until the Broncos can prove to me that, you know, they can figure out how to use Russ until they start actually starting to flow. I'm not going to take in over in that spot. Niners, I, I agree that they are in a better position to make a run with Jimmy G this year. It's good, but I know it's hard to go early season into Mile High City. I took the under. Defenses are awesome in terms of success rate. Defensive success rate, San Fran, number one in the league. Broncos, number eight in the league. And I just really like what they've put on film so far. Like, they're just swarming. Joey Bosa's looked awesome. Tasty. We have team totals of 22.5 for Denver, 23.5 for the Niners. Pretty tight right there, but that's what you get in a game that has a one-point spread. Have you done anything with this? You know that Yanni and I have some bets on this. Have, have you done anything with this? And what are your just high-level thoughts? Because I know that preseason, you were pretty pretty high on the Broncos, right? Like you had you them, what, plus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Dude, it's only two weeks. In, no, I know. I know. know. Yeah, it's just some on-the-job training. But yep. it was, what, plus 260 that you got on them to take the division, I think? Uh, I think it was in that neighborhood. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, so obviously, sure. w- with me making those kind of calls, I'm obviously smashing the Broncos and the over in this game. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, actually, I mean, they're I do due. I, I, I bet the under already. Uh, I Did agree you? with you that these are two solid defenses. I think Jimmy G is certainly makes the 49ers better. No disagreement from me there either, but he also does make mistakes and he has some bad games. Like I don't, I, he almost is like Kirk cousins light to me of, you know, he's functional and he, he can make the offense go, but I'm not afraid of him. And I think that the Broncos have a solid defense. And certainly we know that the 49ers do. I do think what Yanni brought up is big, that the 49ers um, rating against the run is, um, I mean, from what I'm, you know, top 10 in the league, yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. And, and the Broncos need to be able to run the ball. I will say I am a little worried about Russell Wilson. And I'm a little worried about him because I was already a little iffy on him in Seattle the last year or so. And I thought, well, it's just because he doesn't have an offensive line and he's running for his life and all this stuff. But he's looked kind of the same to me. I mean, he's not decisive. He's missing receivers. Maybe that's just that he has to get on the same page with them. But I think, D, that puts me in sort of the same camp as you of until he proves to me that he can make this offense go, I'm not going to believe it. Um, I still think the potential's there if Russ can be Russ. They have the weapons and they have a good defense. So I'm not totally bailing on the Broncos yet. I just think a lot hinges on Russ and a lot hinges on Hackett not being completely incompetent um, in the game as well. So I haven't bet San Francisco yet, but I definitely am am considering it partly because I think it feels like the right side and partly because if Yanni's on it too, then that's pretty much good enough for me. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I took the Niners because it was like, I lean that way, but Yanni's on it. So I'm going to take the Niners, Yanni. 
Well, totally. you know, I, hopefully I won't let you guys down with that, but I got a question. Does, That's impossible. Well, d- does Russell Wilson, so first of all, he looks heavier than he he did in years past. And I understand we all get older, we get a little heavier, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's still, but you know, just, like 33 or 34. Really, you know, he doesn't even look to really escape or scramble anymore. And I understand that obviously he's a capable pocket passer and, you know, he's not a... Uh, you know, Michael Vick in the sense that his job is to scramble around and whatever. I get that. But part of what made him really good coming up was the ability to get out of sacks and get out of, you know, tough situations and find open guys. And he just doesn't really seem to have that or do that anymore. Um, And and I think that that limits his game, right? So that's kind of where I'm looking at and saying, if they don't run the ball and he's just a pure pocket passer, well, then all of a sudden, what, what do we have there? And to Tasty's point about when you looked and said, yeah, he didn't have a great offensive line and this and that. Yeah, that was that was partially true for sure. But there's this thing out there, too, that quarterbacks can help make an offensive line look good or bad. And, you know, with Russ, I think it's one of those things where, like Tasty said, if they're not decisive on, you know, what's going on and and he's making, you know, he's staying in the pocket, then all of a sudden he's taking sacks and the offensive line is grading out worse and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that that's all, I think, fair game to talk about with Russell Wilson. And, you know, time will tell. Let's see how he does against a really good defense. I think I lost you guys. Fuck. Lost you guys. But a Denver team total under. Well, you had just said what they were, and they're so close that that covers you if San Francisco just comes out here and smashes, right? Um, I need to reboot about, this thing. Jesus. I was just talking about potentially playing that Broncos team total under, too. You know, um, if they're 22 a and a half. struggle offensively. Yeah, I don't hate that. Mm-mm. I definitely could see them getting, you know, 17 or 20, even if they play okay offensively. For sure. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I do fucking hate my internet, though, which ruined. <laughs> so we'll see how much of. Let's I break down it. your internet, D. Uh, like, what the hell's going on? It, it's, dude, like, it was bad, like, two to three years ago. And then I upgraded from Comcast to Verizon two to three months back. I kind of shifted all of my routers, everything. It's been top notch. And now all of a sudden it's just a mess, but I'll, I'll give you the most surefire breakdown in history. Yeah. Comcast sucks. Verizon sucks. AT&T sucks. They're all a pile of crap. Legit. Yeah. So Legit. what the hell do I do? Like, it's not great because it's a town home and I have to have the main router on the lowest floor. And then I've got an extender and it's been good, but today it's been a goddamn disaster, but Tasty, I think I got most of what you said. But, yes, Russ hasn't looked himself. Uh, let's see what happens with Hackett. I think he'll, you know, get some more training. I mean, he's been in the league for years. He's a great OC. It's just sometimes as you're the head coach and you need to call the shots, it's not there. Russ, we'll see. He got paid, and maybe he's not going to cook anymore. But team total under, don't hate it. Under in the game, don't hate it. I think we um, beat up those games and covered those four games in depth, fellas in depth let's end it here let's talk about futures do you guys have you picked off any futures or anything that's tickled your fancy i personally was looking for coach of the year nick sirianni i was looking for something in that like you know eight and a half ten to one range Uh, apparently i mispriced that i went to bet online it was plus 450 plus 500 i did find a plus 750 up bovada still tempted to play it. That's really all that I've looked at right now. I'm going to let week three play out for any like conference futures or Super Bowl. 
Tasty, do you got anything jotted down or that you hit this week? Because I know that you're scouring well, the market. Yeah, I, ha- I have been scouring the market. It's scouring. True. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean I found good things, but it does mean that I found a lot of stuff. Um, Scour away. Yeah, no, I spent a lot of I spent a decent amount of time today trying to just work through these different teams and their schedules and try to create a range. Um, some teams, I think there's a really wide range of where they fall. Some teams, the range felt a little narrower to me. And out of that, a couple that I haven't bet these yet, but I really am thinking about it. One of those is Philadelphia to have the most wins in the league at plus 850. A big part of this is the line for me. Yes, I think that the Bills are very likely better than the Eagles are. Um, you know, the, the Bucks I have is actually having a pretty high win total. Their schedule gets pretty easy. Yep. So I think they're going to be up there pretty high as well. But at plus 850, I would say that those teams are similar in my mind because the Eagles schedule is super easy as well. And so, you know, yeah. I even, you, you know, we messaged where I'm even toying around in my head with the Eagles to go undefeated at plus 3,500. Oh, I probably won't oh, play that. Man. I mean, plus, oh, man. So, but to have the most wins at plus 850, I just feel like that's a really solid line. So I haven't played it yet, but I'm definitely thinking about that one. We all collectively have a large Eagles portfolio. It's a lot on the Eagles. It's true. like, like probably more than what my computer and my internet are worth times 90. And Yanni, we have Eagles win totals. I have an alt win total. I've got Super Bowl. We've got 16 to one for one seed. This goes right into that same realm of we know that this team now has put together some good games, some good film. We know that this is a soft schedule. You can look through the schedule and we'll probably do a podcast, maybe at the quarter way mark and take a look at what has happened and do a deep dive on teams that we think have value in terms of what their prices are and schedules out there. There's a chance the Eagles aren't underdogs that they're favored in every single game for the rest of the year. It's going to be hard not to add to our Eagles portfolio, Yanni. It is. And I think that really when we jumped on them in the preseason, one of the reasons to me, there were two reasons. Number one, I looked at that offensive line. I looked at that roster and thought, man, these guys are actually really, really good. Um, (laughs) But the other one was the schedule. I mean, they have a very soft schedule throughout the year. Uh, So I think, again, when you start looking at some of these other bets that you guys are mentioning, that schedule has to play a factor. I mean, normally you'd say, yeah, no, I'm not picking a team to go undefeated. But like you said, they're probably going to be favored in every game. Now, are they going to win everyone? Probably not. But I mean, heck, if they're favored, that's basically saying they should win everyone. So (laughs) I can definitely understand if someone wants to take a flyer with a pick like that. I get it. I get it. Currently on FanDuel. Over under 11 and a half juiced at minus 120 to the over for the Eagles. And I think that we all take a look at the schedule. And again, we'll do this in two to three weeks, but I think that we still like that. I'm not saying bet that, but I think we still like this team to win 13, 14 games is on that cusp of really pushing it because to win 14 means you only lose three. (laughs) Like I'm not great at math at times. I'm good at math. Um, I should be good at math because that's a lot of my job. Actually, I'm just like, I'm trying to be humble right now, but um, to win 14, 15 games is a tall task. Tasty, if they went 17 and 0, I would be just elated. But to my point that I said in the group chat earlier, if they won 17 games, I'd be happy with that bye week, but I'd be scared shitless in that first round playoff game because they'd have Tom Brady rolling into town. 
And all of a sudden it'd be like Eagles by two and a half. You're like, wait, they're 17 and 0, aren't they? But that's four months away and they're not going to win 17 games. But again, very hard not to add to that. Uh, Tasty, are there any other lines that, that caught you? And you can say no, because we've looked at so many lines. We've done a lot of podcasting today, but anything else that's, that's, you know, creeping up on you or saying, you know, if this team drops another game this week, or if this team wins, I want to fade this in terms of a win total, or if the Bengals lose again, hit them at 40 to one to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it is going to be interesting after another week. And you do have to consider uh, who they're playing. I, I do. I'm going to hit you with one more. I actually have yeah. multiple more, but I'll, I'll spare you. And I'll just give you one more that I like. But this is one no, where I, I would it. consider waiting until after this Sunday because of their matchup this week. But Jacksonville over six and a half wins is at minus 115 right now. And when I went through their schedule, Ooh. this was one of those teams where I felt like there was a little less variance in how I saw their schedule. And so where I have them at sort of their the, the floor for me at this point almost is um seven and seven and ten um and that would still put you over that six and a half and i think they could exceed that even i actually think yeah. they could definitely get to eight wins maybe nine so I, I like that jackson but they play the chargers this week i think that's a tough matchup going across the country so maybe you wait till after they play the chargers and at least get rid of the juice yeah let's let that play out i do think they dropped that game regardless of who plays at quarterback i do think it, it could be close but going across the country it's a little bit tough and i think that the jags are not on the level of the chargers chargers a full loaded roster i i do like the jags overall if you told me that they went eight and nine and won that division i wouldn't be shocked because the colts at this point they could be eight, eight, and one. Does that add up to what it needs to be? Eight, eight, and one would take that it division, does. actually. Eight and nine. Yeah, I do like that. Six and a half. And I'll go into their schedule also. That might be just, just to add something into the portfolio in terms of value. Um, I'll kick it around and consider it or wait a little bit. But that six and a half is factoring in a loss this weekend. But I like where your head's at. I love Love where your head's at, actually. Yanni, anything else, or should we just plug your stuff and your articles and everything coming out at Beck Rushers? Yeah, we can wrap it. I will say, uh, for whatever it's worth, I did bet Jacksonville win total over six and a half this morning. So Ooh, I, look I, at I that. On it. Um, I, I think that I've that, never felt more proud of myself. Hey, there you go. And, I, you know, and if you want one other, just what we're talking about it, I also bet the Rams under win total as well. Ooh, uh, okay. I kind of like that also for many reasons, but it's already an hour on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we okay. don't have to get yeah. into it, but, yeah, but yeah. those were my two. And then the last one I'll give you before we wrap is, um, I think if you're looking at a potential defensive player of the year, despite the fact their team is not going to be very good, I think Micah Parsons has a lot of upside there. Yep. Obviously, TJ Watt will probably be eliminated from that conversation. Um, so you're really kind of down to the usual suspects of Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald there. Um, but I think Parsons is putting, I mean, he's, I think he's to the point now here where he's going to rack up a lot of sacks going to have a lot of big plays so i think that's playable as well so other than that though we'll, we'll save the rest for another time when we haven't gone as long lots of good nuggets there yanni bet crushers put out a dfs article on wednesday it's been a very long day but a glorious day where i've spent a lot of time talking to tasty and you about football but you had that article coming out today what is the typical cadence of the articles you got player props and then sides that come out later in the week also right 
You got it. DFS article Wednesday, uh, NFL plays for sides, totals, that kind of a thing on Friday. Uh, player props for NFL Sunday on Saturday come out. And you grace the Wagerager podcast with your presence on Wednesdays and you talk to Tasty on Tuesdays. So you've got a, a full slate and then Sunday sweating out bets, right? So wouldn't have it any other way in the fall, man. I love it. It's great. It's great. Tasty. You got a lot going on as well. I love the Sunday show. I love our uh, our coffee chats that that we've been having uh, <laughs> for 10 minutes, as long as people aren't pinging me at work, right? But good stuff. Talk about where people can find you and what you have going on. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you pretty much said it. We're doing a, a lot of this stuff together in different places, but just trying yeah. to continue to, to grow and putting out useful information, most of it on Twitter at NBA Attack with one A. Um, you know, the all the shows, podcasts, everything ends up making its way to Twitter one way or another. So it's kind of the catch-all. Catch-all. It's a beautiful group, uh, a great group effort. And it's only week three, guys. It's technically not even week three. We've got another four or five months of this stuff. So Yanni, Tasty, pleasure as always. We'll talk real soon. Pleasure's ours. Talk soon.